Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. There are two very important principles that we need to know when we study Rashi's commentary on the Chumash. These two principles are so important that perhaps we can call them super principles or mega principles. Principle number one is that everything that Rashi says is based on the text of the Torah. Although he may bring to light, he may bring to bear various texts from other parts of the Torah, from the entire Tanakh, from, from Talmud and Midrash, but everything he says, he is saying in order to explain the Pasuk that is in front of him as he goes through the Torah from one Pasuk to the next. There's nothing superfluous, there is nothing, uh, he doesn't give speeches, he is always coming to explain what is the text that is in front of him. That's mega principle number one. Mega principle number two is that everything that Rashi says is connected one thing to another. I would say, in my humble opinion, and I'm not the only one who says this, that this applies even from one Rashi comment to another Rashi comment that is far away from it in terms of the, the order of Tanakh, certainly within the Chumash. I would say that a Pasuk and Bracious, we have to assume that it agrees with something that Rashi says in Dvorah. And if it seems to disagree, we have to try to understand how it really does agree. Certainly, I think everyone would agree that within one Pasuk and even within one small group of Sogim about the same topic, everything that Rashi says reflects on everything else that he says, and it all forms one coherent whole. I think we can, we have some very good illustrations of these two very important principles near the beginning of Parshas Bahar. In the beginning of Parshas Bahar, the Torah tells us that there's such a thing called Shemitah. The Torah commands us that every seventh year we are to uh, refrain from most forms of agricultural work. And then every seven Shemitahs, meaning every after every 49th year, is then an institution called Yovel, where again, during the year of Yovel, the fields must be left more or less without any major agricultural work being done on them. And in addition, the Pasuk says that during this Shnasach HaMishim Shana, during this 50th year, you will call out, you will announce a freedom in the land to all of its inhabitants, meaning that Avodim, that slaves, both Evet Knani and Evet Ivri, they go back and they regain their freedom Yovel hi tiyelachem. This special year is called Yovel. It will be it will be a Yovel for you. Veshavtem ish elachuzasoi, and each person will return to his holding. We'll explain that in a moment. The ish el mishpachtoi tashuvu, and each person shall return to his family. 
What does it mean? Veshavtem ish elahuz asay. Rashi says shasodes chazrois the balei. The fields go back to their owners. That means when when Bnei Yisrael entered Eretz Yisrael with Yeshua and they conquered the land, and the land was divided up between the twelve shvata, and within each shevet, each uh, head of family was given a field, and that is the field that belongs to that family to be passed down from father to son, from father to son. If a person sells one of those fields, it comes back in Yoyvo. So you always have your original fields. Of course, at a certain point in history, this, this uh, much of Kali Yisrael and its Vigolos, and for a variety of reasons, the, the halacha ceased to be observed. It ceased to be obligatory at a certain point. But the way it's supposed to be is that if you sell a field in Eretz Israel, you sell one of your ancestral fields, it comes back to you and you, you could be, you may have to make do without that field for a maximum of 49 years, but after 49 years, it's your field. Let's continue. The Pasuk then tells us, we're skipping a few psukim, Pasuk Yudalit, when you will sell a sale to your colleague, to another Jew, or when you will purchase something from the hand of your colleague, meaning from a fellow Jew. Do not cheat, we'll translate for the moment, do not cheat one man to his brother. The simple meaning, as we will see soon in Rashi. Let's see one more pasuk before we talk about exactly what it means. Pasuk Tesvav. The mispar shanim achari yovel, tiknen me'esamisecha. According to the number of years after the yovel, meaning depending on how many years it has been since yovel, when you are selling the field or when the field is being sold, tikne me'esamisecha. You will buy from your, from your friend. The misbar shnei svuois yim korloch, according to the number of the years of produce, of, of harvests, he will sell to you. As we will soon see in Rashi, what it means is that if I'm selling you a field, I'm really not selling it to you forever when I sell a field in Eretz Yisrael, because in Yoival, it's going to return to me. So the price and the value of the field really depends on how long it is until the next Yoyba. If it's 47 or 48 years, then we can prorate the value of the field and uh, the price is going to be rather high and that's a fair price. If it's only two or three years before Yoyba, so then really it's only fair of me to charge you a much lower price because you're only gonna be holding on to the field for a few years. And regarding that, the Pasuk says, al tonu ish esachet that you may not overcharge or undercharge the person that you're dealing with. The seller may not overcharge. If I'm selling you a field and you're really only going to be holding onto it for three years, I cannot charge you a very high price. That's a, a mitzvah upon me. And you're the one who's buying the field. You're not allowed to suggest, I don't know if you're not allowed to suggest, but you are not allowed to close a deal where you are paying very little for a field that you're going to be holding on to for a long time. That would be cheating the seller. That's what it means, 
al tonu ish esachit. Let's continue a little bit. Pasuk tezayin, lefi roiv hashanim tarben miknaso. According to the multitude of years, you will make the sale greater. As Rashi explains, according to the to the the more years there are until yovel, you are permitted to charge more money for the field that you are selling. Well, the fima eight hashanim, and according to the limited number of years that it might be until yovel, let's say it's only a few years, tamit miknosay. You must reduce the sale, meaning you must sell for less. He misparts because when a person is selling to you his field. He's really only selling to you a misfar ice. <clears throat> he is selling you a number of crops. He's not really selling you the field itself. The field itself, you're going to have to get back someday. He's selling you the rights to work on the field and produce a certain number of crops, meaning, roughly speaking, generally speaking, uh, one crop per year. And one person shall not, again, uh, cheat his colleague, and you will fear from your God, because I am Hashem, your God. Here, we're going to come back to this Rashi, but just a very quick, a quick uh, sneak preview. Here Rashi says, which is now the second time that the Torah has told us these words, the Torah said it in Pasuk Yudalit. Now the Torah is repeating it in Pasuk Yud Zion. So Rashi says, Kan hisir Here the Torah is warning us about about mistreating someone with words, by calling the person a name that he doesn't like, by bringing up certain things about his past that he would prefer not to, not to be reminded of. So this is a separate warning, a separate prohibition that we may not be moneh esamisoy. A person may not cause bad feelings to be felt by his friend. We'll talk much more about that. But let's go back to Pasuk Yudalit and let's examine what Rashi says. And we'll start looking at it from here. When you will sell something to your friend, or when you will buy something from your friend, do not cheat one person to the other. Rashi says, According to its simple meaning, the simple meaning is, it's just like what it sounds like. It's telling you, when you sell something to your friend, don't overcharge. When you buy something for your friend, don't arrange to, uh, to, under, to underpay. And as Rashi is, will explain, he will actually explain it in his comments on the next Pasuk. This is referring to the, the to Yoival. This is referring to selling fields in the time of Yoival, at least primarily. It is referring to other situations also. But in particular, this has an application when you are selling a field during the time that Yoival applied, that you had to calculate the value of the field based on how many years are left until Yoyvel. That's Shutai Kemashmoi. That's what the Pasuk sounds like, and that is the Chuta Shalmikra, says Rashi. But Rashi continues. There is also a Drasha. There is also a, 
a way that, that our Chachamim expounded this Pasuk. And they said as follows, How do you know? From where do we know? That when you sell something, that you should sell it to a Yisrael, your friend. Meaning, from where do we know that when you're selling something that is obviously of value, that if possible, you should sell it to a Jew, not to a non-Jew. Of course, this has certain, uh, certain uh, parameters. Uh, the Jew has to be offering a fair price and so on. But from where do we know that it is, the Torah wants us preferably to sell to a Jew, if possible. Talmud Leimar, the Pasuk says, when it says when you will buy a purchase, when you will purchase something, pardon me, when you will sell something, sell it to your amis, sell it to your colleague. Read a few more words before we explain. And from where do we know? From where do we know that if you're coming to buy something, that you should buy it from a Jew, your friend. Meaning, again, if it's within reason, you should buy it from a Jew. You should give him the benefit of your purchase. How do we know that? Talmud Leimar, the Pasuk says, O Kano, this Pasuk says, if you are Kano, if you are purchasing something, let it be from the hands of your friend. So the drusha is telling us that we should sort of chop up the pasuk to a certain extent. When you will sell something, sell it to your fellow Jew. Or when you are buying something, then you would probably have to put in a comma or a semicolon. Now another thing, a new thing. One person should not cheat another when you are selling something. That's according to the drasha. If you read the Pasuk according to what Rashi calls the Pshutah Mikra, you can read it all as one big sentence. When you are selling something to your friend, a Jew, or when you are buying something from your, from your colleague, another Jewish person, that's like a... a dependent clause, I believe it's called in grammar. That's like an introduction. That's what we're talking about, a situation in which you were either buying or selling from another Jew. Now we come with the main part of the sentence. Don't cheat one person to his brother. Let's continue just one more step in Rashi. And Rashi ends here. He says, This is referring to a cheating in matters of money. When it says here altono, it means don't overcharge or underpay. Now, a couple of questions on this Rashi. Um, the, the, the point of the Pasuk, according to Rashi, is, is very uh, important and, and it's, it's an important lesson, important halachas, but still a couple of technical quest questions on Rashi. Question number one is raised by Mizrahi. Now the Mizrahi prefaces his remarks by telling us to look at the Sifra. The Sifra, which is sometimes called the Teres Kahanan, is the primary Midrash Halacha on Sefer Vayikra. 
that is where our Chazal tell us how to understand each Pasuk to derive from it the halachas that it is intending to teach us. So let's take a look at the Sifra It says, Altainu One person shall not uh, cheat his brother. So the Sifra says, This is talking about cheating or mistreating somebody in terms of money, overcharging, underpaying. The Sifra raises the question, Perhaps I might say that this is actually referring to something else. Maybe it's referring to Hainoyas Dvorim. Maybe it's referring to a mistreatment that someone could do to his friend with words, not with money, but by saying the wrong words. So the, so the Sifra says, Bishahu Aimer, when it says in a later Pasik, when it says in Pasik Yud Zion, which we read quickly before, it says in a later Pasik, one man shall uh, shall not uh, mistreat his fellow. So So we see that that mistreating a person with words is already stated. It's stated in the later pasuk. So how will I explain this first pasuk that says What is this pasuk talking about? If the later Pasuk is talking about not, not mistreating somebody with your words. So what is this first Pasuk talking about? We don't, you know, we would not, it would not be sensible to say that there are two Pasukim saying don't mistreat someone with words. So what is this first Pasuk telling us? Zo, Hainoyas Mama. This is referring to mistreating somebody in monetary matters by, let's say, by charging too much for a field that you are selling to him. That's the Sifra. In other words, the Sifra was concerned about these two psukim, which apparently say the same thing. Pasuk Yudalit says, that we should not um, trick, uh, uh, cheat each other or mistreat each other. And Pasuk Yudzayan says the same exact thing. One slightly different word, instead of achiv, it says amisai, but same point apparently, it's saying do not mistreat your, your colleague, your fellow Jew. So the Sifra is, is trying to understand what's the difference between these two psukim. So the Sifra says that the second Pasuk is talking about mistreating a person with words, and therefore we have to say that the first Pasuk must be talking about mistreating a person in monetary matters. Now, Mizrahi says, why did the Sifra have to work so hard to figure this out? Isn't it obvious that this Pasuk, Pasuk Yudalit, is talking about matters of money because it's talking about buying and selling. It says, It says when you sell something or when you buy something, don't cheat. So it's pretty obvious, seems obvious, that what kind of cheating are we talking about? Or what kind of mistreatment are we talking about? We're not talking about a mistreatment. I, as I'm selling something to a person, I, I say he's stupid. that. That's not nice and that's not appropriate and it may even be also. But it's not what this Pasuk is saying. This Pasuk is saying don't mistreat him in the selling itself, meaning by charging too much money or the other way around by the purchaser not paying enough money. So Mizrahi wants to know why was it even necessary for the Sifra to bring out this point and why does Rashi have to bring out the point? Why did Rashi have to say Zoi 
Ainoyas Momen. Why did Rashi have to make a point of it that this Pasik is referring to Ainoyas Momen, to monetary mistreating, when really that is obvious? And we can add to the Mizrahi's question, I can add, I won't, uh, I won't attribute this to anyone else but myself, but I have always maintained that Rashi does not consider later psukim. When Rashi is, is learning a Pasuk, he looks at that Pasuk itself. The fact that it might be repeated somewhere else in the Torah, or even apparently contradicted by another Pasuk somewhere else in the Torah, later in the Torah, Rashi will generally not worry about that. He'll explain the Pasuk so that it means, so its meaning is clear and, and, and sensible, and that's all. The fact that a later Pasuk repeats it or apparently contradicts it is something that he can deal with later. So why would Rashi, if that is Rashi's shita, if that is the way he operates, why would Rashi spill the ink, spill enough ink to write these three words? Zo onoes It's obvious that this Pasuk is talking about onoes moment. We look in the Sifra, the only reason the Sifra wasn't sure, apparently, is because there's another Pasuk that says the same thing, but Rashi wouldn't have that problem. According to Rashi, just look at this Pasuk, and this Pasuk, it's pretty obvious that it's talking about Momen, and so he didn't, shouldn't have even had to say this. The answer that the Mizrahi gives is approximately as follows. If I'm saying it over exactly the way the Mizrahi means it, or if I'm modifying it a little bit, if someone is really interested to know that, they can uh, open up the Mizrahi and the Sitra and try to figure it out. But I think the Mizrahi means more or less as follows. When Rashi takes the time to tell us that Zoy Ainoyas Moment, that this Pasuk, Pasuk Yudalit, is referring to a monetary mistreatment that a person may not do to someone else, the reason he had to take the time and, and say that to us, and the reason that it wasn't obvious, is because of something that Rashi himself said before. Rashi himself told us that there are two ways of understanding this Pasuk. The simple way Rashi says is that we should read the whole Pasuk as one long sentence. When you will buy, when you will sell something to your friend or sell or buy something from your friend, what, what, you, what is it that you should or should not do? When, when you buy or sell, do not mistreat, do not cheat one person to the other. Now, according to that, it's obvious that what kind of cheating or what kind of mistreatment are we talking about? We're talking about monetary mistreatment. However, Rashi told us there's another way to understand the Pasuk. Rashi told us that there's a drusha. And according to the drusha, the Pasuk is really in two parts. And there is, in effect, a, pardon me, there is, in effect, <laughs> I'm forgetting how to type. There is, in effect, a break. It's almost like two sentences. When you will sell something, sell it to your friend. Sell it to a Jew rather than to a non-Jew. And when you will buy something, buy it from a Jew rather than from a non-Jew. Period. Or semicolon. 
Now, altono do not mistreat one person to another. What kind of mistreatment? This is like a separate sentence. It's not so connected to the first half of the sentence, according to the drosha that Rashi himself quoted. And therefore, Rashi felt it necessary to tell us that nonetheless, when it says here, it is not referring to mistreating someone with your words, calling him stupid or something like that. It's referring to mistreating him in, in matters of money. And why, the Mizrahi explains, how do you know that? Because even if you'll say that this Pasuk is like two separate sentences, but still, what's the first, what's the first sentence talking about? It's talking about moment. It's talking about buying something from, from someone or selling something to someone, to someone. And so therefore, we may, we may conclude that the second half, which, which is like a separate sentence, and it really is talking about a separate topic, but still we may assume that it's still in the same uh, general field, in the same general category, it's talking about matters of money. It's talking about matters of buying and selling. This, I think, is a very good example of the, the second uh, mega principle that we mentioned at the beginning, that Everything that Rashi says, certainly on one pasuk or on one small group of sukkim, it all connects. And he's always aware of everything that he said there. It's not just a random um, yell, a liquid. It's not just a random collection of different thoughts that, that one contradicts the other and one has no effect on the other. And, and no, everything connects. And therefore Rashi felt that it was necessary to say clearly to, to, to spend enough ink to write, to spend enough precious ink to write three words to make sure that we understand that this Pasuk, Pasuk Yudalad, is talking about Anoyas Mok. Let's go to the other Pasuk, which also talks about this idea of Anoyas We go to Pasuk Good Zion, which we've seen before, but now let's take a careful look at it and at the Rashi. One person shall not mistreat his colleague. And you must fear your God. Because I am Hashem, your God. Rashi says, Here the Torah is warning us about what is called mistreating someone with your words. As we explained before, the first Pasuk that said was talking about mistreating somebody in monetary matters. And here, the Torah is saying, don't mistreat somebody with your words. And how is this? What, what, what would be an example of mis mistreating someone with words? So Rashi says, a person should not be maknit, he should not annoy or bother his friend, he should not make his friend feel bad because of something that he says to him. And, and or really, or, or he should not um, raise up to him, he should not suggest to him a piece of advice that is that is not proper for that person. You may not purposely 
give bad advice to someone. Of course, sometimes you, you think you understand the situation and you, you think it would be a good idea if you would uh, invest in such and such a business. Okay, it's not your fault that the business went bank bankrupt. Sometimes you miscalculate. That's not what we're talking about over here. But here we're talking about one should not purposely give a piece of advice to a friend that you know is really not to his advantage. And why are you giving this person this particular bit of advice? It's according to the way and the pleasure of the one giving the advice. In other words, I'm telling him to invest in this business because, because it's my business or because I'm a hidden partner in that business. And the more people invest in it, the more profit I can make, even though it's probably not a good investment for him. Now, if you will ask, who knows if I intended it for bad? Why can't I just say, well, I mean, I, I meant it for his good. I, I thought that, that this business investment would be good for him. You can't blame me if it, if it flopped. Therefore, the Pasuk says, you must fear your God. The one who knows everyone's thoughts, the omniscient God, who knows what every person is thinking, who your day He knows what you were thinking when you gave this piece of advice to this person. Now Rashi says, anything that is given over to the heart, into the mind, that the only one who recognizes it is the one who has that thought in his mind. But regarding such things, it says, meaning anytime the Torah gives us a mitzvah, or let's say the Torah forbids something to us, but it's really only forbidden if you had a certain intent involved. The act itself could be could go either way. It's only forbidden if you had a certain evil intent. So in any such case, the Torah will add on the words, you shall fear your God, meaning God knows what you're thinking and watch out. Because if you're thinking the wrong thing, that's that's uh, that's an available. Now, Maskil the David raises a very important question about this Rashi. Two important questions. The first part of Rashi is is, is pretty pretty smooth. He's saying here is referring to Ainoa's Dvorim. It's referring to mistreating somebody with words, which is, he took it right out of the Sifra, as we saw before. And he said, although those words are not exactly in the Sifra, but as we will soon see in Mir Sashem, it's a, it's a summary. It's a, it's a paraphrase of something that the Sifra says, that you should not annoy your friend with your words. However, now Rashi puts in something which the Maskil the David uh, tells us, and he certainly knew. He says it's not in the Sifra, and it's not either in the Gemara that talks about this puzzle. Rashi says, You should not give to your friend a piece of advice that is not proper for him, but rather is for your, for your, uh, for your pleasure, for your profit. That is not in the Sifra. And it's not in the Gemara. Where did Rashi get this from? If we take a quick look at at least part of the Sifra, it goes rather long, but let's take at least take a look a little bit. The Sifra says, 
Loisainu. This, this is this second Pasuk. Ketzad, the Sifra says, how is this? What, what, is the, what is it that you would have to do in order to transgress this, 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 uh, this prohibition? So in Hoya if the person you're talking to is a Balchuva, meaning he had not the modern definition of Balchuva, that he grew up in a family where they, they didn't know about observing mitzvahs. But he's a Jew, but he, he did certain avarus. And now he has mended his ways. And now he's trying very hard to do everything the right way. So if that's who you're talking to, lo do not say to him, remember your original deeds. <laughs> I remember what you used to do, going in there to McDonald's and ordering up the cheeseburger. No, you shouldn't say that to a person. And if a person is the child or the descendant of Gavin, you should not say to him, remember the actions of your forefathers. <laughs> you think you're such a tzaddik. I know your forefathers, they used to worship idolatry and so on. And the, and the Sifra goes on to say, if the person is ill, you shouldn't say to him, oh, you know why you're ill? Because you're, a, you're an avaryan. You're a person who has done a virus. Otherwise, Hashem wouldn't have made you ill. That that's, doesn't make the person feel any better. And so on. Where does Rashi get the, and you could read it for yourself, but you will not see this point that Rashi makes. That Loisainu Ishes Amisa is forbidding us to give to a person, to give to a friend, an Eitza She'eno Hagenesloi, an advice that is not to his benefit, and a piece of advice that is not proper for him. That doesn't seem to have a source. The Masuladova says, of course, you're not allowed to do it. You know why you're not allowed to do it? It's because of a Pasek in Parshish Kedoshim, which says, In front of a blind person, you shall not place a stumbling block. And Rashi said there, In front of somebody who is blind about a certain matter. He's not physically blind, but he is uninformed about a certain matter. You should not give to that person a piece of advice that is not good for him. Rashi gives an example. Don't say to your friend, sell your field and instead buy a donkey. And you are going around with trickery and you're going to end up buying that field. You may be just having him sell it to your, to your agent, but really you're the one who wants the field. And you really know the field is worth a lot more than the donkey. It's really much more valuable to have a field than to have a donkey. In a good field, you can produce enough crops. You can buy five donkeys. So that's where the Torah tells us not to give advice with evil intent. But our Pasek, Leisainu, Chazal don't say that's what it's talking about. And the truth is, it doesn't sound like that. The word Leisainu uh, seemingly means to mistreat, as it was used in the previous Pasek. There it meant don't cheat somebody in business. So it means don't mistreat him, don't cause him. Doesn't seem to be talking, don't hurt him. Doesn't seem to be talking about don't give him a bad piece of advice. That's one question that the Maskele David raises. The second question is, although those are the two questions. The first question is that 
giving somebody improper advice is would seem to be not the subject of this passage, but it's really the subject of a different passage in Parsha's Kedoshim. So why is Rashi putting it into this passage? And question number two is that where did Rashi get this idea from altogether? It's not in the Gemara. It's not in the Sifra. This is not how our Chachamim explained this passage. The Mask of the Dovet answers as follows. And again, I'm paraphrasing, and if perhaps I'm not paraphrasing um, in such a way that I am 100% bringing, bringing out the uh, intent of the Mask of the Dovet, I apologize. Uh, you can, whatever is a little bit weak about the way I'm saying it can be blamed on me. But as I understand it, the Mask of the Dovet is saying as follows. We really have to go back and we have to understand what do these words mean? What does this word mean? Sign it. What does it mean? Lois sign it. I've translated it as at, at times I've said do not cheat. I've translated it as at times as do not mistreat. Here, at least at first, Rashi says it means you should not annoy your friend with words. As the Sifra says, if he's a Balchuba, don't remind him of his past inappropriate actions. If he's the child of Gerim, don't remind him of things that his parents and grandparents used to do, and so on. The Maskele David says, it can't be that the, that it can't be that the real definition of Loisainu is just don't make a person feel bad. Because if that's all it meant, the Pasa could have used a different word. It could have said, Loisitsaru. Do not cause sar to another person. Don't cause pain to another person with your words. So what does the word loisainu, what do those words actually mean? The Maskele David explains that the definition of loisainu is to profit illegitimately from someone else's loss. That's what it meant back in Pasek Yudalit that if I'm going to sell a person a field and charge too much, because really it's only a few years until Yevil, but I'm charging him a lot of money as if he's going to be, would be holding it onto the field for many years. So that is to profit illegitimately from his loss. And here also, the Mask of the David says, we are not talking here merely about calling someone a name, which is certainly inappropriate. And certainly one shouldn't do it. But that is not really what we're talking about here. The Maskele the David explains that what it's talking about over here is, for example, if a person will say to a Balchuba, remember your past. I remember those cheeseburgers you used to eat in McDonald's. I used to walk by and look in the window and see what you were eating. And the reason I'm saying it is because I want to make him go off the derrick. I want him to give up on his on his project of tshuva. Or if he's the child of Gerim, I want him to go back and act completely like a god. And why would I want that? Because if he's going to become a Russia, I'm going to look like more of a tzaddik. I'm building myself up at his, to, at his, at his, on his account. It's going to cost him. I am profiting illegitimately from his loss. He's going to lose. He's going to end up being a, a bum. He's going to end up not keeping the mitzvahs at all. And I'm going to smell very good. I'm going to profit from this. And this is what Rashi 
wanted to bring out by not merely saying lo yaknet ishes that a person should not uh, cause pain to his friend with words. That, of course, is Rashi's paraphrase of the Sifra, which says, don't tell the Balchuba that I know what you used to do and don't tell the Ben Gerim, I know what your parents used to do and, 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 such, and such things. That's Rashi's paraphrase. But why did Rashi stick in this, this, this new idea of you should not give a piece of advice to the person, which is not to his benefit. That's not an or, that's an and. That's part of what I'm doing by, by causing pain to him, by telling him that, you know, you used to be a, a cheeseburger eater and your parents used to do a bit Zora and so on. And you're an idiot and you're stupid. And you, what I'm trying to do is I'm giving him an Eitzah, but it's an Eitzah that's not good for him. It's an Eitzah that he should give up on doing mitzvahs. And it's It's being done for my benefit so that he will fall in the mud, he'll be fallen, and I will come out smelling like roses. And this is not, says the Maskele David, this is not included in the Pasek of the Pnei Iver Leisit and Mitchell. The Pnei Iver Leisit and Mitchell is talking about a person who is, as Rashi says, Soma Vidover, he is blind about the right, he doesn't know anything. I tell him to sell his field and buy a donkey, he doesn't know. He's not a very astute businessman, he doesn't know which one is better. If I tell him to do this, he'll do it. But here in this case, the person does know. He really knows it's better to be a Baljuba than to be a Balavera. And he knows it's better to be a, as a, as a Ben Gerim, he should be, he should act like a Jew. He, he should do the mitzvahs. He knows that's right. But I am giving him, so it's not Lifnei either. He's not an either. He's not blind. But I'm simply giving him advice that is not to his advantage in order that I should get something out of it. Just like Leisainu of Mullen. I'm not merely trying to make the other person lose money. What do I care if he loses money? I want to make him lose money so that I can make money, so that I can profit. Here also, I want to knock down my friend because I want to build myself up. It could be that on the profound level, that's always why we knock people down. Really, what, what interest do I have of knocking another person down? Why would I call somebody else stupid? But what do I get out of that? What I get out of it is, oh, yeah, I'm the smart one. And by telling him that he's an Iswar, by telling him that he, he doesn't keep mitzvahs, by reminding him of that, that once upon a time he ate cheeseburgers, what do I get out of it? I get out of it that I look better. That's could be, that's really always what a person wants when he denigrates somebody. That's, that's not a very happy thing to say about ourselves, but it, I, I think it's the truth. But that's what it means in this person. Do not profit illegitimately by causing a loss to someone else. And that's what Rashi is bringing out with this quote unquote artificially inserted phrase. It's not artificially inserted. He's putting it in in order to understand what this Pusik is talking about and in order to explain the proper translation of the words. And here we see our, our second mega principle in Rashi, that everything that Rashi says comes from the Pasuk. He's not artificially inserting anything. 
and he's not merely uh, taking it out from some Gemara or Midrash. In this case, it's not even in the Gemara or Midrash, but he is saying it in order to explain the words and the meaning of the Pesach. 